Uh, there's something very attractive about water. Water has the power to bring things together, whether it's a tribe of people settling around a watery cove or a group of animals congregating around the local watering hole. Water has the power to bring things together. I'll never forget standing on the banks of the Milwaukee River back on August 6, 2016, just over four years ago. Uh, all my family and friends had congregated by the banks of that body of water as Molly and I were united in marriage. Sometimes water even has the power to, to show this beautiful image of unity in itself. Now picture that, a confluence. Two rivers becoming one by God's creative design. Yes, water is a beautiful thing and oftentimes a beautiful picture of unity. Well, for the next seven weeks, we're going to be considering our own unity in Christ as we step into a new sermon series on the book of Ephesians. We'll walk together week by week as we discover the beautiful picture that God has designed for us, that we would be one in Christ. And right away, in chapter 1, in the text that we heard for this week, Paul gives a nod already to this picture of unity. In fact, the picture, the vision that Paul gives us of, of God's plan for unity is even bigger than our unity. It's a unity that encompasses all things. Paul said in verse 10 of our reading that God has a plan to unite all things in heaven and on earth. Now that's a big claim, that God could unite all things. Uh, that's not only a big claim for us in our day, well, that would have been a big claim for the Ephesians in Paul's day. The city of Ephesus was a melting pot of its own. Jews and Greeks in one city under Roman rule, a third people. But Ephesus was a harbor town. It was built upon the waters of the Castor River, which flows into the Aegean Sea. And those beautiful waters had brought together this diverse group of people. But these diverse people weren't exactly united. In fact, the last time that Paul had visited Ephesus, about six years before writing this letter to the Ephesians, he had experienced a great deal of hostility and division from the people of Ephesus. The Jews there gave him a hard time, slandering the Christians and eventually driving Paul out of the synagogue so that he couldn't preach or teach there any longer. Shortly after Paul left Ephesus, there was a massive riot started by a bunch of Greeks. They were uh, craftsmen who fashioned silver, silver idols, shrines, to the Greek god Artemis. But their businesses had taken a toll due to Paul's preaching of Christ and against pagan idols. 
And so this band of Greeks rose up in a riot. Hostility from Jews and from Greeks. And now Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians in house arrest under Roman rule himself to share this vision of unity. It's in the midst of all this division and hostility that Paul still has the confidence in Christ to tell the Ephesians that all things, all things would be united in Christ. It must have sounded crazy to the Ephesians. It sounds a little crazy to us today. And all this talk of, of unity rails against what we see when we peer outside our own windows. We don't often see a beautiful picture of unity, confluence of two rivers. Instead, our world today looks, well, it looks a lot more like this photo. This is a picture of where the Fraser River, a freshwater river in western Canada, meets in the Strait of Georgia. That's another body of water in Canada that's fed from the salt water of the Pacific Ocean. Fresh water and salt water. When these two bodies of water meet, the division is obvious. It's almost like these waters are two different worlds, worlds apart, as if their differences are so distinct that they could never be one. That, to me, seems like a more accurate picture of our world today. Divided. Hostile to one another. Unwilling to mix and, and be a part of separate groups. I mean, the leaders of our country demonstrated this in that first presidential debate. They were unwilling to listen to each other. They hardly gave each other the time of day. They would, we wouldn't hear each other out. And now people in our own communities, even in our own neighborhoods here, are taking after their leaders. Republicans and Democrats alike, followers of those bands, going into people's yards and ripping up those signs or defacing them. We're unwilling to listen to each other. We're unwilling to come together. How could a world like ours ever be united in Christ? How could Paul imagine this kind of unity? Well, maybe the answer lies in Paul's own story of his life. You remember what they used to call him, right? Saul. Back in the day, back when Saul was one of the uh, pri primary leaders of the Jewish church. Back in the day when Saul was uh, the Christian church's number one enemy. Back in the day when Saul had approved of the execution of Stephen, making Stephen the first Christian martyr. Saul, back in those days, had thrown so much shade on Jesus that Jesus had to stop him on the way to Damascus and blind him with his light. That encounter on the road to Damascus left Saul with more than just a changed name, 
but a changed life and a changed perspective on what was possible with God. Perhaps this is why Paul could conceive of God uniting all things in heaven and on earth with Christ. Because Paul himself, the worst of sinners, a persecutor of Jesus himself, had been united with God. Acts chapter 9 tells us this, that after the scales fell from Saul's eyes, he rose up. And like our friend Milo, he was baptized. Saul was united to God through the beautiful waters of holy baptism, changed forever. Isn't Paul's story our story as well? How often have we rebelled against God in our words and actions? How often have we caused division? slandering people in different camps, people who we don't agree with, instead of treating them like creatures, fellow creatures created by the hand of God. How often have we failed to listen to our parents, to our spouses, to our children? How often have we cut ourselves off from the Word of God that would seek to shape, inform us, and change us to be in His image, instead endlessly chasing after all the desires of our hearts, no matter how far away they are from God's plan for us. We have been sinners, just like Paul. And yet, God united himself to us in our baptisms. He met us when we were soiled in the silt of our own sin. He met us with his pure water. I want to return to that last photo one more time because there's more here than meets the eye. Now, on the surface, it looks like two completely different bodies of water, completely unmixable. But this is, in fact, one body of water. For under the surface, those waters are mixing. That brown murkiness that you see, those are silts carried by the fresh water of the Fraser River. But when it comes into contact with the Georgia Strait, the salt ions in that seawater, they bind together with those silts, causing them to become heavier, weighing them down to the bottom of the ocean so that all that is left, all that you see, is that clear blue ocean water. The makeup of the Fraser River is changed when it comes into contact with the purifying waters of the Georgia Straits. And so we are changed when we come into contact with the Holy Trinity in our baptisms. 
take a look at Paul's words again from Ephesians chapter 1 and see who is doing all of the work. Paul says, Blessed be God the Father who has blessed us in Christ. He chose us. He predestined us for adoption. He has given us forgiveness in Christ and He has lavished it upon us. And He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. The unity that we have with God is not achieved by our own human efforts. It's not something that we do for ourselves, nor can we. But God has done it. Our unity has been established by God the Father through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus, and we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That same name that you, that you were baptized into. United in water and word to the God who is uniting all things in heaven and on earth. Even if it doesn't look like it, on the surface. The water can be a beautiful thing. And in your baptism, God used the beauty of water combined with the power of His Word to recreate you into something beautiful. His child, holy and blameless before Him, washed clean and made new. It was his plan to unite all things in heaven and on earth. And he took you, a lowly, earthly creature. And he has united you to all that which dwells in the heavenly places, to God himself. You're not just united to God through your baptism. You're united to one another. Today we have been united to Milo in his baptism. Not only sons and daughters of God, but brothers and sisters in Christ. As we go forth in this world, in this divided world, remember who you are. You are a child of God, a new creation united with God through the waters of holy baptism claimed by Christ and named as a child by the Father. As we walk into this world, we walk together as one in Christ. Let His words continually wash over you that you might be changed by His powerful word and strengthened in the faith that He will unite all things in heaven and on earth in His time. He's already begun this unity in you and in me to the praise of His glory. Amen.